Hey everyone, welcome back to the channel. Hope you've been well. I wanted to make this video for you all because I've been doing a lot of research on COVID-19 vaccines and have been talking to some really smart biotech investors that work at uh, healthcare funds who are much more qualified to teach me about kind of some of the dynamics about COVID-19 and what might solve uh, this healthcare crisis we're in. Um, and it's been really illuminating. And I wanted to lay out kind of what I've learned uh, for you and how it might affect our investing decisions. The world is obviously facing a global pandemic and a corresponding economic crisis. And it would also stand to reason that one of the main ways that we're going to kind of solve this COVID-19 crisis, meaning we all go back to work and uh, like out in the world like we used to, would be a COVID-19 vaccine that prevents uh, the spread of the disease. You would assume that a COVID-19 vaccine would be used by the global population and would be immensely valuable. Um, or at least that's kind of that first order level of thinking. And the company that would discover the vaccine and be the first to market would be wildly successful and valuable, right? Well, let's dig into some of those assumptions because that may or may not actually be true. And if it is true, you know, there's some complicating dynamics around it. So just a little background, this kind of line of thinking has really created quite the run-up in biotech stocks uh, for the companies that have been in the hunt to develop that COVID-19 vaccine. And it does seem to me from my seat that Moderna, ticker mRNA, has uh, received kind of most of the hype as uh, the COVID-19 stock. Um, and it's seen shares kind of increase more than 300%, uh, going from under 20 bucks a share uh, to kind of nearly 70 bucks a share. And around the current share price, the market's really valuing this company at like an almost $28 billion enterprise value. And it doesn't have any real current revenue. It's all in anticipation of this COVID vaccine. And they have a few other smaller vaccines kind of way back in the pipeline. But again, it's not, they haven't really sold a product on market yet. And I'm not really trying to say that the market is foolish because I don't think it's completely foolish to think that Moderna could have a $28 billion enterprise value um, since Moderna's vaccine seems to be one of the three that's going to be first to market. Um, Moderna's vaccine is in phase three trials, which is super late stage and is kind of the a front runner in the U.S. market. Um, the U.S. government even just ordered a few days ago uh, 100 million doses for approximately like 15 bucks per uh, vaccine or dose. Um, and the revenue potential is really significant and kind of there will undoubtedly be a need globally for a COVID-19 vaccine. So before we dive in, just want to let you know there's four sections to this video. Uh, the first one is trying to understand uh, what it is to be in a pandemic versus an endemic and how that affects vaccines and vaccine companies. The second section is trying to find the addressable market of a COVID vaccine and, and how valuable that would be as a total market. Um, and how that kind of applies to how Moderna is being uh, valued today. The third section is really looking into uh, Moderna's competition with other vaccine companies and also other substitutes and how that might affect their valuation or how big that they, they can get. And fourthly, I wanna talk a little bit about some of the insider selling that's been happening at Moderna um, by their management team and how that might affect your investment decision in specifically Moderna. Just to catch some of you up, the point of a vaccine is to introduce the virus, in this case COVID-19, to your immune system so that when your immune system comes into contact with COVID-19, it attacks it immediately and you don't get infected with the virus. This is different from a therapeutic, which is a medicine designed to help you get better if you do get infected with the vaccine. So the intent of the vaccine is to roll it out to enough of the population 
that that population can't catch the virus, thus providing herd immunity because most people walking around in the world won't be able to catch and pass along the virus. Okay, so first off, let's understand what the difference between a pandemic and endemic is. Uh, the industry very clearly realizes there's gonna be two stages to this COVID health crisis. The first one's the pandemic stage, which is the stage that we're in currently where there are kind of massive rapid outbreaks globally um, of COVID-19 that aren't really able to be controlled. We're just kind of subject to uh, the outbreaks and trying to separate ourselves and socially distance. Um, the endemic stage is a stage after the pandemic stage where we have treatments and vaccines, but a lot of the industry clearly believes that COVID-19 isn't really going to get uh, eradicated. It's gonna always live in populations similar to the seasonal flu. And a good chunk of the population take seasonal flu vaccines every year to try to you know avoid them catching the flu and there are differences between seasonal flu and COVID-19. For my reading seasonal flu seems to mutate and change very quickly which is why we have to take annual vaccines and COVID doesn't uh, mutate and ra uh, mutate as rapidly as seasonal flu but regardless the industry clearly believes that uh, COVID-19 will be an endemic uh, virus that lives in the world and in communities you know every year every couple of years even if we get vaccines and treatment. So just to sum up, we're in the pandemic stage now, and once vaccines and treatments really kind of come out, uh, we'll be in an endemic stage where the virus is under control, but it'll still live within the population, similar to how the seasonal flu is in our current communities. So whenever we do arrive in the endemic stage of this virus, uh, it's reasonable to expect that a portion or a good portion of the population will take COVID-19 vaccine shots or booster shots every year or every couple of years uh, just to kind of get herd immunity from vaccines and vaccination. But even this part is a little bit unknown because we don't quite know how long uh, immunity period is after you've been vaccinated or after you've caught COVID and recovered. But just to take a guess, I was sent kind of a, a formal medical research study studying uh, a few human beta coronaviruses and their immunity periods, which the chart is up here. Um, and again, I'm not super qualified to explain some of this stuff, but it does show that immunity kind of started running out after a year. That means that if you catch COVID and recover or you get a vaccine, uh, you would need to get kind of a booster shot after a year conceptually because after a year, you would be able to get it again. And I was also told that just generally, uh, immunity periods are longer, the more uh, acute or the more serious the, the disease is, and that we saw kind of two plus year immunity periods. Um, I, I forget what it was, but either SARS or MERS had a much longer immunity period. So a, uh, a guess would be somewhere between one to two years. But all that to say, since we're not really scientists here, let's just assume that everybody's taking a annual COVID-19 shot, similar to how people take seasonal annual flu shots. One last thing to understand is that most vaccine companies have said that they would either give their product away or give it away for cheap slash undervalued prices during the pandemic stage. And they would price the, their vaccine according to regular competitive dynamics in the endemic stage, because you know it just seems like really bad PR to be making a ton of profit on this crisis. So a second assumption we'll make is that uh, vaccine sales during the pandemic stage, whether it's by Johnson & Johnson or Pfizer or Moderna, are break-even or unprofitable. We'll just assume that they're break-even and there's really no economic value to selling 
a vaccine during the pandemic stage. So when trying to understand how valuable COVID vaccine companies and COVID vaccine products will be, 100% uh, of their economic value is going to come from selling during the endemic stage, not the pandemic stage. Okay, so now that we understand that we're assuming that the COVID vaccine is taken every year in the endemic stage and all profits will be realized kind of during that stage, how many people are actually going to take the vaccine. So we don't know exactly how many people are going to take the vaccine. There's a big anti-vax movement. You know, I don't really like to get into that because I'm not really a scientist. But to get a general sense, I actually took a look at the numbers for the seasonal flu or influenza and the vaccine and how many people take that every year. So the numbers that I found were that in the U.S., about 62.6% of children take the flu vaccine every year and about 45.3% of adults each season take the flu vaccine. And Europe seems to have generally kind of those numbers somewhere just south of half of the population take the flu vaccine. And these are the most developed countries. Uh, the flu vaccine coverage rates are much, much lower, obviously in South America, Africa, and Asia, um, and obviously going to have big disparities within Asia, some of the richer areas versus kind of some of the poorer areas. But just back of the envelope, if we assume that half of the US and half of Europe take the vaccine each year, and only 10% of Asia take the vaccine each year, that translates into kind of roughly a billion vaccinations per year. None of the vaccine companies have really finalized their pricing yet since we're really not out of testing quite yet. Um, but Moderna sees its 32 to $37 per dose price point as undervalued, um, deeply undervalued. And uh, their analysis here actually implies that the vaccine would need to be cheaper than about $300 per vaccination. Uh, without diving too deeply into how this analysis works, it basically compares uh, the cost of the cost benefit analysis of vaccinating someone uh, versus treating them or not vaccinating them. So uh, their analysis is that, you know, for all adults 18 plus, um, the price would need to be somewhere below 300. That being said, with the intense competition coming out, we're talking about 10 to 20 plus vaccine companies coming to market with a vaccine and Johnson and Johnson and Pfizer, which are bigger, more resourced companies providing lower unit prices for a COVID vaccine, their version of a COVID vaccine, and generally how widespread this vaccine will need to be. You're talking billion plus vaccinations a year. I really can't imagine it being more than $50 per vaccination. By comparison, the measles vaccine is less than $10 per vaccination and HPV shots can get all the way up to kind of closer to a hundred bucks per shot, but uh, it's much more targeted, much more niche, and obviously only for a certain portion of the market. Furthermore, historically, vaccine profit margins have been really slim, which is kind of the reason why vaccine development has been a little bit stagnant in the past. And also, the analysts that I'm looking at are estimating that gross margins might be lower than 10% for a COVID vaccine in the future, which is really low. But let's just double it to 20% just to be aggressive here. So taking the 1 billion vaccines taken globally per year, figure that we arrived at before, and multiplying that by $50 per vaccine and multiplying that by 20% gross margins only leads us to an implied total market size of $10 billion of COVID-19 vaccine profits per year. Um, if we just ignore corporate costs and slap a 7x multiple on a then commoditized and highly competitive $10 billion profit line business industry, the whole market would only be worth $70 billion. And again, maybe I'm underestimating how many vaccines are going to be taken per year, but even that 70 or $100 billion 
dollars of kind of value in this vaccine industry that makes moderna trading at a current valuation of 27 to 28 billion dollars in enterprise value uh seem very very high because that would really imply that moderna is 28 billion dollars of value out of 70 or 100 dollars of value which would imply that they are the dominant player in uh, COVID vaccinations in the endemic stage of the market. And that's even assuming that there are healthy profit margins kind of on, in that stage, which we know vaccines don't make a lot of money. Um, it's just hard for me to stomach that valuation. It just seems kind of ludicrously high. And that's really before even taking into account, you know, how effective their vaccine is going to be and the go-to-market and execution risks that they still face in the future. Thirdly, let's dig into kind of the competition from other vaccines and substitutes and why, you know, potentially they're not even going to be a dominant player in the industry. Um, so the full scale of COVID-19 vaccine sales is basically unpredictable. My very uneducated hunch is that COVID-19 vaccine coverage and sales will be really high for the first few years and maybe dwindle down later. And the reason why I think that they might dwindle down later is because uh, as therapeutics and treatments get better, so these are medicines that you would take or are given to you if you do catch the virus, as those treatments get better, uh, it reduces how severe catching the virus is. And so if you reduce the death rate or even just how badly you feel sick if you do get it, the need and desire to get a vaccine every year will go down because if even if you catch it, it's like, whatever, they can treat me, no problem. So in my mind, maybe COVID vaccine coverage is really high for the first few years, but might dwindle down to around where seasonal flu vaccine coverage is on an annual basis. I mean, I can imagine a world where you go into CVS and get a two-for-one COVID and seasonal flu vaccine um, with maybe a Monster Energy drink or something. That'd be pretty funny. But the real thing that I'm worried about with Moderna being worth $28 billion already is that Moderna is going to have to compete globally against at least five to 10 plus legitimate vaccines that probably work. Johnson & Johnson, ticker J&J, &J, Pfizer, ticker PFE, BioNTech, uh, ticker BNTX, Innovio Pharmaceuticals, ticker INO, AstraZeneca, ticker AZN, are just some of the behemoths that are much better capitalized than Moderna, and they're going to be coming out with their own version of the vaccine. And, you know, it's a free market in the endemic stage, and whether or not it's a Pfizer vaccine or a um, or Moderna vaccine, they're going to have to, have, it's a knife fight over there. Uh, against these big behemoths. And there are even other smaller publicly traded uh, vaccine companies that are coming out with a better mousetrap. And I've named one vaccine stock that seems to be really juicy in the one that's owned by these biotech investors that I've talked to for uh, ROI Connect members at a couplecents.com. So if you want to support the content, please feel free to, to join ROI Connect. And uh, you'll see the one stock pick for COVID vaccine stock um, that they own and seems to be really bullish on that. Uh, based on kind of everything we've learned here. But all that to say, I don't really see Moderna having 25 to 50% market share of a, I don't know, $10 billion annual profit industry, if it even is that, uh, especially when they have to fight against all these big competitors. Furthermore, this is a really fun fact. Moderna's vaccines are based on mRNA, which I won't dive into, but they require their vaccine to be stored at like negative 112 degrees Fahrenheit which is insane. So if you're thinking about how are we going to vaccinate the mass population 
and do it in each local CVS and Walgreens and, and wherever, in each local doctor's office, how are you gonna store this stuff? So if I'm a doctor's office, would I rather have a Moderna vaccine that has to be stored super cold and I have to buy all this equipment or someone has to supply the equipment for me in my doctor's office? Uh, or can I take a Pfizer one that can be stored at room temperature? You know, like I would probably rather buy and, and uh, use the Pfizer or Johnson & Johnson vaccine over a Moderna mRNA vaccine that is just overly cumbersome to, uh, to use. Finally, let's talk about some of the gossip floating around Wall Street around Moderna stock. Uh, it's floating around in kind of the stock sphere that the whole Moderna executive suite is selling their shares aggressively. Like a lot of this is filed publicly, but and I haven't really dug super deeply into it, but I was actually sent a kind of a, a spreadsheet that showed the insider selling um, and it's pretty aggressive. So just to get this out of the way, insider selling by executives isn't necessarily a smoking gun that they believe their stock is overvalued um, because sometimes executives sell just to get gains so that they could buy a car and house for their personal family, right? But it's really not a great sign if the executive team or insiders are selling uh, quote unquote aggressively. So let's, let's take a look at if they are, right? Um, my sources are telling me that uh, the entire executive team has sold at least 3 million shares at an average price of in the mid $50 per share and stocks trading at, you know, almost $70 a share. Um, and that implies, you know, more than $160 million in cumulative profits taken by the executive team. It's it's aggressive selling, guys. That, that seems to be very aggressive selling. Furthermore, from, from what I was told, you know, anecdotally or through this spreadsheet, which I won't share, um, is that it looks like the CMO and the CTO have sold all their shares. They sold all the shares they own. Um, that might be wrong. I don't really stand by any of these numbers. These are all kind of a little bit rumor um, because I haven't personally done the analysis, but you can go look into the public filings yourself. Um, but from the analysis I saw, it even shows that the CFO sold around half of his shares. Um, so the apparent offloading of these shares seem to be much more than mere profit taking uh, by the executive team. You know, usually executives only sell this heavily if they believe the stock is valued at peak prices. So again, I wouldn't want to be buying into Moderna stock at peak prices. I personally think Moderna is a massively overpriced stock um, and the insider selling is a bit, and whether or not that's true or I don't have the full story, it's just kind of a cherry on top to me believing that Moderna is highly overvalued. You shouldn't be, I wouldn't be buying into the stock. Uh, you know, my this is all my opinions, not advice, obviously. Um, I wouldn't be buying into it. And honestly, it, it might be a juicy short for people that know their biotech stuff and know that they want to short Moderna stock. But uh, personally, I just want to let you know, hopefully this video was super helpful for you um, to one, under, mainly understand the COVID vaccine environment and how profitable the industry might be and how do you might think about that with all these companies. And secondly, like Justin does not like Moderna or Moderna stock right now, especially at almost $70 a share. Um, so thank you so much for watching. Please don't forget to like this video and subscribe to my channel. Uh, it really helps support the content. And if you want to learn more and, and find out that, that one uh, COVID vaccine stock that uh, these Wall Street guys are bullish on, please join our ROI Connect group at a couplecents.com. To, to see all that and more. Uh, also, don't forget to sign up for our free newsletter, uh, Morning Sense, and also follow us on um, all of our socials. Appreciate your time. Until next time, happy investing.